0: come let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven here lord thank you thank you father lord we thank you for this day we thank you for these ladies we thank you for your love i pray lord god that right now i'm an empty vessel before you lord you filled me with your living water and i pray just like you did at the wedding in cana you draw it right out of me and pour it back out to these ladies, like the wine and joy of your Holy Spirit, Lord God. I pray it's all you and none of me. Thank you, Lord. This is your word. Amen. 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 All right. And we'll start with Romans twelve, verse nine. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing steadfastly in prayer, distributing to the needs of the saints, given to hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. on February 8th, 2023 in a chapel service at a small Christian college in Wilmore, Kentucky. And God used it to spark revival in the hearts of the young people that were there. Asbury University revival, God's word, his power, his Holy Spirit brought that revival. And what a wonderful thing to see those young people of that next generation seeking repentance and seeking God's presence. And one of the beautiful gifts that God has given me since I repented and began seeking him and spending time in his presence is a hunger for his word and studying his word. And God is always answering my questions (laughs) when I ask him and he answers them through his word. And um, so when I started to see these things about revival, I wanted to see what his word had to say about that. And um, I learned a lot of things. I looked through the Old Testament and the New Testament, and um, you know, I started to see a lot of revival in the Old Testament, and um, you know, there were a lot of common themes there. Um, and the big common theme was the word of God and repentance. And um, it just tells us about how the word of the Lord would come to the people, and they would read or hear his word And then they would see where they had gone off his path, his instructions for their life. And it would lead them to remorse, to know that they had gone away from the direction that he had for them. And the remorse led to repentance. In Hebrew, the word repentance is teshuva. And the root word of teshuva is this verb, shu, which means to return, like to return to the path, the path that God has set out of us. So the word of the Lord would come to the people, it would show them the path, and the people would see where they left the path and it would bring them grief, and the people would return to his path. So today I wanna to take us back to the land of Judah and Jerusalem to the year 640 BC. Let's turn to Second Kings 22. It's been 57 years since the people were ruled by a man who feared God, and idol worship is rampant throughout the land. Um, the kings have not been worshiping God. In fact, they've been allowing idol worship to happen in the house of God and allowing things to happen throughout their land that were in direct opposition to God's will for his people, God's perfect will for his people, allowing themselves to engage in things that would harm themselves and harm their children and even sacrificing their children to these idols. The previous king, before this godly king we're going to read about, ruled for two years and was so wicked that his own servants even conspired against him to assassinate him. And then the next in line stepped in, an eight-year-old boy named Josiah. Josiah, a name which was announced by a prophet hundreds of years before he was born. Josiah, which means the Lord supports. Let's read 2 Kings 22, 1 and 2. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned 31 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jedediah, the daughter of Adiah of Bozkath, and he did what was right in the sight of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David. He did not turn aside to the right hand or to the left So when you get to verse 3 we fast-forwarded 18 years he's in his 18th year of reigning as king and he started this project this project to restore the temple of God to restore the temple of the living God and um, during this restoration project they find something they find something it's really exciting so we'll pick it up in verse 8 Then Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. So Shaphan, the scribe, went to the king, bringing the king the word, saying, Your servants have gathered the money that was found in the house and have delivered it into the hand of those who do the work, who oversee the house of the Lord. Then Shaphan, the scribe, showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the high priest has given me a book, and Shaphan read it before the king. Now it happened, when the king heard the, book of the, the, heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his clothes. The young king tearing his clothes was an outward sign of his grief and his remorse over hearing how far he and his people had gone away from the path that the Lord had set out for them. And he recognized that, and it caused him a lot of grief. And so what did he do next? He seeks the will of God. He does not move forward with any of his own plans without first seeking confirmation from the Lord. So he commands the men who are with him in verse 13, go inquire of the Lord for me, for the people and for all of Judah concerning the words of this book that has been found for great is the wrath of our Lord that is aroused against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book to do according to all that is written concerning us. So the men, the king's men, they go and they look for someone to give the word of the Lord. And they come to a prophetess, and her name is Huldah, and they explain to her what's happened. And she says, oh, I have a word. I have a word for the kingdom and a word for the king. We can see in verse 15 what that is. Then she said to them, Thus says the Lord, God of Israel, Tell the man who sent you to me, that's King, Josiah, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring calamity on this place and all its inhabitants, all the words of the book which the king of Judah has read, because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods that they might provoke me to anger with all the work of their hands. Therefore, my wrath shall be aroused against this place and shall not be quenched. So she told the king that the kingdom would fall under the judgment of the living God because they had forsaken him to worship false gods. But that wasn't the end of the message. She had a message for him as well, personally, the king. Verse 18 tells us, But as for the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord, in this manner you shall speak to him. Thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which you have heard. Because your heart was tender and you humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I spoke against this place and against its inhabitants, that they would become a desolation and a curse, and you tore your clothes and wept before me, I also have heard you, says the Lord. Surely, therefore, I will gather you to your fathers, and you shall be gathered to your grave in peace and your eyes shall not see all the calamity which I will bring on this place. So they brought back word to the king. King Josiah would be delivered from seeing the judgment that God would bring upon the people and upon his kingdom because he humbled himself before the Lord and he had repentance in his heart. And then we start to see the fruit of his repentance afterwards and his actions. In Second Kings 23, we find Josiah standing in the face of 57 years of idol worship, bringing the word of the Lord to the people, which leads them in true repentance, telling them it's time to return, get back on the path that the living God has set out for us. Second Kings 23, 1-3. Now the king sent them to gather all the, Israel, all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem to him. The king went up to the house of the Lord with all the men of Judah and with him all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the prophets, and all the people both small and great. And he read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant which had been found in the house of the Lord. Then the king stood by a pillar and made a covenant before the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart, with all his soul, and to perform the words of this covenant that were written in this book. And all the people took a stand for the covenant. He then goes on to have all of the idols brought out of the temple of the house of God because the former kings had put idols in God's temple. And then he abolished idol worship throughout all of the land, all of the kingdom. He utterly destroyed and removed idols And he tore down high places, and he got rid of all these other places of idol worship. And this revival movement was so massive that it spilled into the northern kingdom as well. And I think if they had news crews back then, like the next question for Josiah would have been, well, you know, you've led the kingdom in repentance and, you know, destroyed idol worship throughout the lands. What are you going to do next, king? So Josiah... And he would say, I'm going to Disney World. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. And he says, I'm going to hold Passover. And what a Passover it was. If we flip to Second Kings 23-21, it's going to tell us about this wonderful Passover. Then the king commanded all the people, saying, keep the Passover to the Lord your God, as it is written in the book of the covenant." Such a Passover surely had never been held since the days of the judges who judged Israel, nor in all the days of the kings of Israel and the kings of Judah. But in the 18th year of King Josiah, Passover was held before the Lord in Jerusalem. And remember, this was a widespread return to the living God. This Passover was held with people from both the northern and the southern kingdoms coming together. Um, in Second Chronicles it tells us a little more about this. Um so sorry. <laughs> right. In Second Chronicles thirty five, eighteen it says, There has been no Passover kept in Israel like that since the days of Samuel the prophet. And none of the kings of Israel had kept such a Passover as Josiah kept with the priests, the Levites, all Judah, and Israel who were present, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. In the 18th year of the reign of King Josiah, this Passover was kept. Then if we look at 2 Kings 23-25, it tells us, now before him... King Josiah, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all his heart, with all his soul, and with all his might according to the law of Moses, nor after him did any arise like him. And the wonderful thing about stories in the Old Testament like this is we could end there and we've learned a lot, but the Bible isn't just a collection of stories or, you know, this big rule book you know it's God telling us who he is and what he's like and what it means to follow him and stories like this are like a signpost and they point us forward they point us forward in the story and tell us keep looking you know this was a good king but there's a greater king coming and when we get to the new testament we start to see who that great king is and his name is Jesus. And things in Josiah's story are signposts to our King Jesus. So you have King Josiah, whose name means the Lord is supports. And Jesus, his name means the Lord is salvation. So we can already see King Josiah is pointing us in the direction of someone greater. You know, 1 Kings 13:2 told us that Josiah was the fulfillment of a prophecy from hundreds of years before his birth. Matthew 5, 17 tells us that Jesus said he came to fulfill the law and the prophets. Do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but fulfill. 2 Kings two eleven, Josiah heard the word of God and he repented. In John 1, 1, John tells us Jesus is the word of God. And his message in Matthew 4.17 was, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. In 2 Kings 22.11, Josiah humbled himself. He humbled himself by tearing his clothes and repenting. John 1.14 tells us Jesus humbled himself by becoming like Josiah, by becoming flesh and dwelling among us. 2 Kings 22.13 tells us Josiah sought God's counsel with an obedient heart. Jesus also sought God's counsel and submitted his will to God. Luke 22, 41 and 42 tells us he withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. And Second Kings twenty three tells us about how Josiah went on to obey God and call the people, you know, back to God's path and destroy idol worship. Philippians two eight tells us about Jesus' obedience. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And he did that to make a way for us to have a relationship with the living God. Second Kings 23 tells us about how Josiah looked at all the idol worship and the evil things that were separating people in the kingdom from the living God, and he actively worked to destroy and rid that kingdom of evil that was separating the people from God, and he said, no more, we're not doing this anymore, no more. And in the New Testament, the Gospels tell us that Jesus saw the sin that separated us his people that he created from God. So he died on a cross to deliver those who would believe in him from sin and said in John 19.30, it is finished. Second Chronicles 13.8 tells us that Josiah brought together a divided kingdom for one of the best Passover feasts ever. The New Testament tells us that King Jesus unites in his kingdom all who believe in him by becoming the Passover lamb so that sin would never separate us from God's again. John one twenty-nine says, The next day he, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And 1 Corinthians 5.7 says, For Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. 2 Kings 23.29 20, says, tells us that Josiah's reign ended, but he was spared from seeing God's judgment at the end of his kingdom. Luke 1.33 tells us that Jesus rules over a kingdom that has no end, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And John 3.16 tells us that through him, we can have eternal life in that kingdom for God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. Josiah led his people in revival. Jesus' death and resurrection led to the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the message of the gospel spreading to Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and unto the othermost parts of the earth. And we've been reading about the best revival ever. <laughs> in Acts, Um, and we know that that gospel spread to even a little city called Lystra and to a family that lived there. So I'd like to look at 2 Timothy 1, verse 3. I thank God, whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remember you in my prayers, night and day, greatly desiring to see you. Being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. Timothy heard the word of the Lord from his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois, women of genuine faith. Timothy, a young man of genuine faith, went to work with the Apostle Paul to spread the gospel unashamed throughout generations that were during his lifetime. This message was passed generation to generation to the othermost parts of the earth and is still being passed today. We fast forward to February February 8, 2023, to a small college in Wilmore, Kentucky, to a room full of young people like Timothy who may have been raised by women of genuine faith and others who weren't. And a young pastor stood before them and read the word of the Lord from Romans that we read in the beginning. And that's a passage that in my my Bible is entitled, Behave Like a Christian. He recognized how he had not been living as God had instructed, how he had gone off God's path, and he expressed remorse. He challenged the students of this generation to come before God, to repent, to turn back to his path. And the students did just that, and the fire of revival was ignited. And When I told people I was speaking today, they said, don't just tell us this word, Anne. Tell, tell us what to do with it. How do we apply it? What do we do with all this? So, you know, first I want to say revival starts here, in our hearts. When we hear the word of God that leads us to repentance and submitting our will to his will, you can experience revival right here, right now. You don't have to travel to a place to find it. And if you're hearing this word of God today and you don't know King Jesus, he would love to, for you to get to know him and he would love to adopt you into his kingdom. Second Peter 3.9 says that he's been waiting for you a long time And his desire is that everyone would return to his path and walk in his path of abundant life, and that everyone includes you. And the beautiful thing about him is he's not waiting for you to come to his path and meet him. And he's not on the path wagging a finger saying, "Eh, you got off my path, you got off my path. And he's not up in heaven scowling down at you because you weren't on his path. As far as you are from his path right now, he will come and meet you there. And walk back with you to the path. And when you become his, Hebrews 13.5 tells us he never leaves us. He'll help you. He'll stay with you. He'll guide you to his path. All you have to do is ask him. And if you want, we can pray with you about this today. And maybe you're hearing this word and you already know him as Lord of your life. But you're seeing places where you've gone off his path. Or you're thinking about places where you've gone off his path. Ask him today to help you teshuvah, to come back to the path, return to the path. And we can pray together about this too. And I also want to acknowledge that as wonderful as it is to see this movement going on with the young students at Asbury and other schools throughout our nation, there are also many other young people that are lost in the darkness of this world and the culture around them. And we've heard our pastors speak many times this year about tragic things that have happened in our country and our communities because of this. And today, I just want to remind all of you that if Jesus Christ is your King of Kings and Lord of Lords, you are a Eunice, you are a Lois, you are women of genuine faith who shine like bright lights in the darkness, and there are Timothys, future generations, that the Lord will bring into your life that need to hear the gospel that need to hear the word of god and that need to see your bright light they need to see us living out our genuine faith in the living god before them get in his word read in his word let him speak to your heart and show you how to live out his word so you can love them well when you meet them and share his gospel with him with them you never know when god will bring that opportunity to you so do what his word says in 2 Timothy 4.2, preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. When the Lord brings a Timothy, someone from this next generation, into your life, the best way to be ready is to pray. In some way, you are connected to someone from the next generation, as a mother, a grandmother, an aunt a godmother, a cousin, a sister, a neighbor, a coworker lift them up before the Lord. Don't talk with them about God until you've talked to God about them. Pray his word over them. How many Eunices or Loises were praying for the Timothys at Asbury, at Cedarville in Ohio, at Samford in Birmingham, Alabama? at Lee University in Cleveland, Tennessee, and at Belmont and Nashville and many more colleges around our country. I know that me standing here with all of you today is the direct result of prayers lifted up for me by women of genuine faith. My mother, my aunt, and and their mother, my grandmother. No matter how long it takes, don't lose heart, keep praying, keep bringing them before the Lord because an eight-year-old was crowned king And 18 years later, the word of the Lord that had been hidden away from the people for over half a century came to him. And he humbled himself and repented, and revival began. And we don't know how long women of genuine faith were praying for the young people that are finding God and experiencing revival in our country, but we know it will have an impact on future generations. And I say today don't lose heart and don't stop praying. God will do his will with his word in his perfect timing. And God is using us to pour out his word to future generations. Ephesians 3.21 tells us to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And this verse was a reminder to me that we don't close the door behind us when our generation leaves this earth. You know, There's still new generations being born every day that need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ and see it lived out in those around them. As we worship, if there's anything you'd like to pray about, we will pray together. And if you're seeking to know Jesus, we will pray with you. And if you desire to teshuva, to return to the path, we will pray with you. And if there's anyone on your heart you'd like to bring before the Lord in prayer, maybe there's a Timothy that's on your heart today that you want to pray for. You know, we're happy to join you and pray with you. You can come forward during the worship. And I'd like to close with some verses from Psalm 78. Give ear, O my people, to my law. Incline your ears to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in a parable. I will utter dark sayings of old, which we have heard and known and our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children, telling to the generations to come the praises of the Lord and his strength and his wonderful works which he has done. For he established a testimony in Jacob, and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children, that the generation to come might know them, the children who would be born, that they may arise and declare them to their children, that they may set their hope in God, and not forget the works of God, but keep his commandments. Amen.